Christ. I don't even know where to go from there. You may, you, 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 you might fire me after this episode. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I haven't been able to watch movies. I am just like, I'm, I'm like running around the house right now. I'm happy. Everyone is part of the family at this point. It didn't be my fan fiction idea that I had. So this movie was garbage. You are a monster beyond all belief. Put them all in the thing and them do thing. You know what I mean? How? Oh, you're lucky to have me back. <laughs> you're never gonna get 60 million people because you're not a Super Bowl. Shut up. So chaotic. Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. It is episode 142, and Sean is on a whole nother level this morning. How are you, Sean? I've had two cups of coffee, and um, I just have nothing to do today. So I think it was just like this like preemptive energy that's really cooking, and I'm just I, – I think I need to go outside, but it's raining, so I can't go outside. <laughs> um, I'm kind of – I think me and my dog have switched minds. Like, I think that's what it is right now, because I just need people to play with me, and they're all too tired. <laughs> what is your typical daily coffee intake? I mean, usually during the week, it is a lot. I mean, well, I have one cup of coffee, and then I have, like, a diet soda midday, and then I have a, three more diet sodas midday. So, I don't know, like, around there. The, the, I asked coffee, and you went into soda and stuff. <laughs> do with it that's caffeine that makes it's sense different it's oh, different especially in the morning like what gets <laughs> you going true. i um if i'm working from home and i'm at starbucks i have like a venti iced coffee and then they do free refills with like your starbucks card and i'm like i'll do another one and that's then i'm wondering like why idea. my i'm wondering like why my heart's palpitating i'm like this is weird why do i feel this way um well you know we do it hey joe for the people watching on youtube that's a lovely shirt thank you it says third act problems and you can find it in our store, which will be linked to the YouTube. Nice. And it's actually very comfortable. And seen. And seen. Just as we didn't plan. I have to get that one, by the way. I keep on meaning to get it. <laughs> it's I keep on meaning to order it. You have to just remind me. Yeah, I, okay, Sean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sean, did you buy your underwear this month? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm buying underwear monthly now. <laughs> I don't know. You need to. I, I don't know what you do. <laughs> Listen, my uh, you have a dog too. My dog eats my underwear. Oh, jeez. Well, that's... and I don't know where. It, I don't know how he gets it. I moved everything into the closet because he, you know, back to the closet. No, but he. I moved like the hamper back to the closet. I moved everything there, and somehow I'll be sitting here, and he'll sprint out, and he'll have like a pair of underwear or a sock or something. And I'm like, where are you getting this from? This is a Jeff Goldblum life finds a way situation, I think. Life finds a way. Life uh, <laughs> finds a way. <laughs> My dad and I were just quoting uh, Jeff Goldblum the other day in the first Jurassic Park because I'm trying to remember why. Oh, because we were at Easter dinner and. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. We were at Easter dinner at my uh, my brother's, and there it was also like a birthday party mixed into it as well. Um, but there was like this weird, like we had a couple hour break essentially between like Easter dinner and celebrating. And so I looked at my dad. I'm like, uh, there will be a, a birthday celebration at this birthday party, right? And then we started <laughs> quoting, uh, there are dinosaurs on this dinosaur tour, right? <laughs> That's actually a pretty good little uh, adaption. I like that. We do that all the time. My dad, it's that one. And it's the uh, the soup from um, Dumb and Dumber. What's the soup of the day? 
It's the soup du jour. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have uh -huh. that. <laughs> All the time. They're like the two lines that we quote on the regular. Ugh. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> welcome to episode 142. We have a lot to get to. We are going to discuss Bo is Afraid today because we didn't get a chance to last week. And Bo is Afraid is a movie that warrants a lot of discussion. Yes. Um, I actually think we're going to be on the same page with both of our movies today. Oh, yeah. Is, uh, not not common for us. <laughs> But here we are. Uh, let's start off with the trailers that we got. There's a number of them that I think we should cover today. The first being Disney's new animated movie, Wish. This stars Ariana DeBose in the, uh, as the voice of the titular, titular character. Uh, and then it also it was announced that Chris Pine is playing the villain in this. But Sean, you and I were texting about it, and you were really into the animation here. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was blown away by the animation the first time like a character moves. You realize that it has some two-dimensional elements along with the typical um, computer animated look that the newer Disney animated films have had. Um, it's weird because this is probably animated before Puss in Boots like you know hit theaters, but. Honestly, like the animation feels very similar and it feels like we're heading in that direction because that was one of the great things about Puss in Boots is that it was a very unique animation with a lot of two dimensional elements to it, along with the traditional look. And so I like that this film is following suit, probably not intentionally following suit. I'm sure they ran parallel to each other, but I still love the way this looked. I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, it's got the talking animal, which is great, but it's like that's part of the... Um, Part of the plot is that talking animal, which makes it even more fun. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. Like you said uh, to me after, that song is amazing. And so we've got our best original song, Oscar Race Cooking, yeah, there along it is. with our best animated feature um, list cooking, which I think is going to be a run on run with uh, Super Mario Brothers in both elements. But, you know, we'll see. Well, me. Um, you know what other song is going to be? I, I, will, will this be eligible, The Little Mermaid's um, Part of Your World? Probably not. No, because uh, what? Like, what if they change some of it? I think you have to like. I, I think they're very strict. Original song has been very strict at times. Where even songs that are made, like there was one time. I get this was back um, in 2010 with "Up in the Air." There was a great song in the middle of "Up in the Air," but it was actually written and uh, released a little bit too earlier than the film. And so it didn't count, even though it was kind of made for the film. So, I mean, they're very strict about original song, even if some elements change, which it does seem like a part of your world is changing. I don't think that's going to be able to be eligible. They're very strict about best original song, but they don't give a shit about best adapted screenplay. Hey, technically that is their rule in best adapted screenplay. Dumb rule, but dumb as fuck <laughs> is what it is. Um, we're going to play a little bit of that song because it's so fucking good. Go. Uh, the Little Mermaid one. Um, it, I I cried every time. I cry every time I listen to it. Let's put it that way. Um, this is Halle Berry from the upcoming Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey. Oh my God! I'm gonna do That's that until the end so of the day. Bad. <laughs> oh my God! What was the other one that I was doing that with? Um, the other one that sounded bad. Um, the oh God. Next best goal. No, <laughs> the actor. Uh, the actor and director. Do you remember? Oh my god, it was like recent too. I was getting them, I was interchangeably, I was weaving them interchangeably. Um, anyway, here you go. Can you hear it? Oh yeah. It's complete. Let's fast forward a little bit. Wonders can one cavern hold. Looking around here, you think. Sure. She's got everything. Her voice is so good. I really good. Gadgets and gizmos are plenty. 
I've got a who's it's and what's it's galore. She's a hoarder. You want thing in a box? I got 20. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. I want to be where the people are. Okay, that's a little taste. Um, I would get into a debate with someone who was saying that, like, oh, I just, not really a debate. It was a discussion. They were saying, like, I hope that, or I wish that uh, Prince Eric was uh, more handsome. And I'm like, I kind of like that they didn't go, like, over the top. Like, he's a handsome dude. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty damn handsome in my opinion. <laughs> but, yeah. but they, like, I, I think everyone's comparing it to the Harry Styles rumors back in the day. Uh, um, but, which, I mean, to each their own. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think he's fine, but I do like, you know, the, like, um, you know, Kevin, friend of the pod and uh, frequent guest, like, talked about how, like, there's no, like, rough-looking actors anymore, and so Barry Keoghan is, like, that good, like, you know, like, rough and uh, gritty actor, like, look, and so it's not Barry Keoghan, it's the prince, but it's like, good to have those realistic <laughs> you imagine? people. That would be amazing, honestly. <laughs> that would have been great. Um, he might make a good Quasimodo, though. Um, anyway, oh, let's... <laughs> Um, and I, I think this looks great. As you said, Wish, um, it looks pretty solid. The, it's interesting. Disney's, uh, once again, mining their IP. And they like, are taking this idea of the North Star, like the star that we always we always use in all these uh, projects. What do we, why don't we make a movie about that? And that's essentially <laughs> what Wish was born out of. I'm, I'm very excited about Ariana DeBose as the, main, the voice of the main character. I didn't realize it was her at first. I didn't um, know it was her until you just said it. So that's yeah. like great. That's great news. I'm super excited for her. Uh, she, I just love her. I absolutely love her. All right, let's talk about Next Goal Wins. This is Taika Waititi's movie that uh, has a really funny trailer in terms of the text that he puts on screen. <laughs> where it's like, did you see it was like the loser of uh, Best Picture to jo for Jojo that Rabbit? Great. That was and brilliant. Also, it like fits with the plot, so that's good. Yeah, yeah and loser of the uh, Teen Choice Award for <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Um <laughs> This is, uh, I guess, it's based loosely on a true story of a, a really losing team in the American Samoa, soccer team in American Samoa. Uh, and Michael Fassbender is looking like he is uh, really comfortable in this role here, yeah. uh, heading over there to sort of get that, to whip them into shape in terms of getting the team um, whipped into shape and to competing uh, competitive levels. I'm interested in this. It didn't really grab me the way that Tyke's movies usually do, but it looks, uh, it looks interesting. Yeah, I really like this idea. I mean, um, it's a little bit more tampered down than Taika usually is used to, or lately, because, you know, between two Thor movies and also, um, you know, Jojo Rabbit, which was quite an intense movie as well. Love Jojo um, Rabbit. This is like, like back to his like a little bit more classic comedy, which I kind of dig. I, I hope this... Uh, I hope this works. Um, this says like, you know, had a little bit of development hell due to Army Hammer being in the role at first. Um, great to see Michael Fassbender back, by the way. That dude has just been like racing for a while. And so it's fun to see him like finally come back and, you know, get involved in, you know, acting again. And it does look like he's, you know, just the break was good to him, I think. And so I like that. But um, yeah, I like this. I, I will say one of the title cards that bothered me is I'm, I'm done with this with trailers saying like, it's a kind of true story or like, yeah. I'm like, enough with that crap. It's not even a good joke anymore. Like, it's just a weird thing now. I mean, so whatever, that's a tiny little detail that I don't actually mind. I'm still looking forward to this a lot. And um, Yeah, I'd like to see this is his. Well, actually, I was about to say this, this is a uh, comeback from Jojo Rabbit. But no, he did. Um, uh, the Thor movie in the middle, but um, still, this is like very exciting to see. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I get a little nervous because it seems like Searchlight has been punt, no pun intended, punting this one around. Um, <laughs> yeah. That it's had a, a number of different release dates, so I'm a little little concerned about that. Uh, but we'll we'll see what that's uh, what this. Uh, what is the release date now? Oh, I bet it will just end up on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know when it's going to be. I think they're. God, are they slating this for an Oscar run? Because November seventeenth, they're I mean, slating this for an Oscar run. Then <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, wow. Right, bef- right before. Um, excuse me, as I burp into the microphone. Um, right before Thanksgiving, which is interesting. That's um. That's a hell of a release date. That must mean something good here. Okay. The, the uh, release date has become, I mean, you know, Searchlight right now is great. We're going to talk about this in the news, but with Magazine Dreams now no longer probably being an Oscar prospect at all, um, they're probably just like, okay, we need to like put something else in the forefront. And That's true. That's, yeah. I didn't even think about that. They're probably jockeying around because of that as well. Um, interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. Let's get to The Flash. So we got a, another trailer for The Flash. Uh, that re- that released in uh, coinciding with the screening of the Flash at CinemaCon in Vegas, um, and the reactions out of CinemaCon are wild to me. Um, basically, so here's a few of them: DC's The Flash is tremendous. Forget DC; it's without a doubt among the best superhero films ever made. Inventive storytelling, fantastic action se- sequences, great cast, so many nerdy details. It's hands down one of the best superhero films of all time. No joke, The Flash is the ultimate movie-going experience. Um, Really nailed what reading a five-issue crossover comic book is like. Tons of Ezra Miller being zany and time paradox stuff. Nerds will lose their minds at the ending. Um, And beginning and middle, it says. (laughs) Um, Dazzling trip through time is a DC universe indeed. Flashes before our eyes. Believe the hype. Uh, Flash is massively entertaining, extraordinarily funny, tons of surprises. Very, very satisfying. A year ago, do you think we'd be hearing this? I'm getting worried about this now. Um, I in okay. So here's here's my like issues with this. Is first of all, trailer does look fun. Trailer is great. It's got a lot of Michael Keaton in there. A lot of like the trailer does look like a very fun superhero movie. These reactions are not going to be good for this movie because right now everyone is expecting the greatest movie of all time. And like at this point, like all you can do is be disappointed. So I think the problem is, and you know, this is me tinfoil hat wearing. So, you know, bear with me for a moment, but with the controversies going on with Ezra, I think this is a little bit of Hollywood old guard, you know, covering their asses and, you know, praise over praising this movie um, I'm still, it still might be good. I'm not going to say anything like, I don't, I don't know anything about it, but there's th- that, that thought just entered my mind where they're like, wow, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this. So this movie could be hyped up a little bit more, um, you know, protecting, you know, like what we want in cinema. And I think they overplayed their hand on that. These reactions could absolutely be genuine, but they, like all of this does worry me a lot. And I think that, I don't know. That, that, like when I was seeing all these reactions, it just got a little bit heavy handed to me, like where it's, you know, they doth protest too much almost with it. And I, I worry about that. I'm, I'm rooting for this film. I really like, I, I want to see good movies. I want good movies to be there. I want, you know, I want DC to kind of rebound from what they are. And, you know, obviously they invested a lot into this, so they want it to be good. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I, it, these reactions just have me a little bit worried. 
I would agree with you if it wasn't Twitter critics and stuff and like yeah. mo more modern critics that aren't. So when you're talking about like the old guard and stuff, mm -hmm. um, that's that's where I would be worried if it was, you know, the older generation. That sounds bad. I don't know. I, I oh, don't. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I once again, like there's nothing that like this is me like backwards theorizing i have no conspiracy evidence of theory. this shit at all like <laughs> conspiracy you know, theory <laughs> conspiracy theory tinfoil hat i am just it just entered my mind that they're like you know th this is yeah you're right this is twitter film critics and everything but i there's something about it that just feels a little bit off that the overpraise is hitting so much and once again could be amazing i'm looking forward to it i'm gonna be seeing it when it comes out you know i'm not i'm not protesting anything here but that th those reactions were just a little bit too intense for me which that, that that just worries me in general now i'm worried about like the general public not liking this movie as much because they hear these things they're gonna expect citizen kane and like all of a sudden like it's gonna be a little bit like of a downer for them i i i worry about way too high of the praise of this movie well, I think what they're trying to do, honestly, I think the move here with showing it at CinemaCon, getting the hype up and everything, is to get those comic book fans who are weary about DC, uh, and especially those who are a little bit weary about Ezra Miller, given the controversies they've had um, and the scrutiny that they're now under based on said controversies. Uh, I think it's trying to encourage them to get out to the theater, yeah. and they're trying to wring money out of this. It does sound like it really is the reset that they build it up to be. Mm -hmm. Um, from what I understand, they're bringing in like old, old, old DC shit as well. Like we're probably going to see Christopher Reeves clips. We're probably going to see a Brandon Roth clip, you know, stuff like that when it comes oh, to God. Superman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, old, old school Batman stuff because they are resetting to move things forward. So I think what they're trying to do is just get word of mouth out there that like, hey, this is solid. So that they have a solid opening weekend and get some legs on it. Um you're right. I, I mean, when people praise it as like one of the best superhero movies ever made, that's concerning to me yeah. in a sense. They're not saying it's the best movie ever made. Yeah, they're not. They're not. I'm, I'm being overdramatic about the overdramatic praise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think like they know their audience. Right. And when it comes to superhero films. So I'm, I'm thinking that that's that's the play here. It's to get their butts in the seats and. And I will um, just emphasize again, this trailer was great and like the action and it was wonderful. And my lizard brain, which we're not talking about the uh, the uh, Transformers trailer, because you're right, there was nothing really new in that one. But that was another one where watching those robots battle, like accessed my lizard brain in the best way, where even though I think that movie's going to be an utter disappointment, I was just like, it's robots fighting! <laughs> it's robots fighting! And like there, there was that like, once again, like I can't think of a better phrase, but li my lizard brain was just full of just love and i was just like this is gonna be amazing I my lizard brain i i can only access it as lizard brain where it's just like you know the the action movie portion of me where i'm like this could be this could be very good i'm i'm looking forward to it i am but i i, I the overpraise just bothers me i know it shouldn't i know i should just chill but that's just something that's weird to me go off about lizards here i don't know what they did to lizards, you lizard um <laughs> let's talk about the hunger games of out of songbirds and snakes this is the prequel to uh, the Hunger Games series, uh, starring I almost said starring Katniss Everdeen, um, <laughs> starring Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss, Katniss Everdeen, uh, and this new film is going to star Rachel Zegler, uh, Viola Davis, Peter Dinklage, pretty solid cast here. <laughs> um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, is it Tom Blythe? Is that the who's playing? Is that the guy playing Snow? I believe so. I don't really recognize him. So, um, 
yeah, I'm having trouble finding the name for uh, some reason. But um, I this looks uh, talk about lizard brain, right? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. this <laughs> when this came up and when like certain aspects of it were shown, I was like, oh yeah, I remember the first movie, or I remember reading the books to begin with, um, and just how exciting those films were and how innovative they were, and like they straddled this interesting line of children's book, children's story, and real world issues, and like modern you know uh, not modern uh mature content so i'm excited about this i'm very interested i still have the book that i haven't read yet so maybe i'll try to read it before then but i'm very interested to see where they go with this film go sean i was pleasantly surprised by, by this trailer um i will say it is tom blythe who's playing uh, uh snow um uh, but also i didn't realize that i'm gonna watch the trailer again after this hunter schaefer's in this from euphoria oh and that's awesome I'm so excited for that. I want to, I'm going to check out that trailer again and see um, where she is in there. Um, I, um, yeah, like there, there was a majority of me that was very excited about this. This cast is amazing. Dinklage looks like he's just like, yeah, I'm not in a prequel to like this, like huge IP movie. I'm just like straight up going drama. Like that little, like last delivery line where it's like, it's the sound of snow falling. I'm like, Dinklage just is in another pocket than the rest of this movie where it's just like, he is awesome. He's like, I'm just going to go for it no matter what weird like blockbuster movie I'm in. Um, I, th there's a lot of me that is looking forward to this. I was a little bit disappointed to find out that this is just going to be, Oh, it's the prequel to this, but it's just going to be another hunger games movie, which, you know, I liked the first two, but it's like, Oh, they're just doing the hunger games thing again. The first which, two. Yeah, I didn't like the third or the third and fourth. Um, I was not a fan. I loved the first two, actually, though. I really did. The second um, one's my favorite. Catching Fire one is, is so good. Oh, God. <laughs> Catching Fire is so good. I Like, yeah, no, I, it was like such a great welcome surprise. And then, yeah, I just thought the third one, I don't know. It just seemed a little bit messy. But um, I guess I heard the book was, too. So I won't get into that, but I didn't really read the book. Um, <laughs> or read. <laughs> or read in general. Um, I'm still working on Oscar Wars, and that's an audio book. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> um i'm 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 sort of looking forward to this honestly i i was a little bit annoyed by the fact that it's just another hunger games um i am a little bit worried about like are they gonna make snow a sympathetic figure it doesn't seem like that so i kind of dig that i will say this one thing and this is my tiniest take as the ambulance goes by i don't know if you can hear that um but okay cool <laughs> never mind um <laughs> i would like rachel zegler after this to maybe do a few art house films uh, do like, you know, like get get out of the spotlight a little bit because, you know, West Side Story, obviously great coming out of the thing. But now she's got this Snow White and uh, also she had Shazam Fury of the Gods where she literally publicly said, yeah, I don't really know anything about comic books. I just needed a job. <laughs> like, Good I, for her. God that, bless her for just saying money. that. Get that bag. Um, and that's great. Like, you know, get your bag, all that stuff. But I would like her to step away, pull a Pattinson, pull a Stewart, and just say, okay, I'm going to like step out of the limelight. I'm going to work up because she has so much talent. And I didn't really see any of it here. Um, I think it's, <laughs> it's not her fault at she all. She has so much talent. Didn't see it's it here. <laughs> not here. It's not, I, it's not her fault at all. It's just such a weird movie. And she's playing like what seems like a very muted character. Once again, like all these trailers could be wrong, but it just. I, I was watching it the whole time and I was like, Zegler, do 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 a Reichhardt film. Get out of here. Do a, do some Criterion. Like, come on, like go do work, go to Sundance. Come on, do something a little bit different. I hope she can do that because I think she's so talented. Then come back and do a couple more big blockbusters and have some fun again. But I just think, you know, I'd like to see her expand in a different area of cinema. 
you're correct in that this film is going to depict a Hunger Games. It the book, the book that's based on, which only came out a few years ago, maybe last year, two years ago, is um, it does explore the sort of early days of Snow and how he became who he became and yeah. how like dastardly he he is in the the books and films that we know him from. So I do think there will be a little bit of symp sympathizing with him. Um, and, but I think what you're also seeing is like the early days of the hunger games and it's definitely muted compared to what we saw yeah. in the, the, uh, the, the proper series proper, if you will. Um, and it looks like it's like a giant warehouse of some sort. Yeah, it um, just looks like it's just a stadium instead of a giant forest or anything. So that's kind of yep. cool. So um, I, I'm interested to see where this goes. The book was very well received when it was written. Uh, and it, it seems to cover a lot of the foundation that builds uh, that the, the series that we all know and love was built on. So God bless this director. I'm looking at his filmography, Francis Lawrence, and he did Catching Fire. So awesome. Right on. And then he did Mocking Jay, so okay. Um, and then um, I Am Legend is in here. Constantine is in here, which I haven't seen Constantine, but oh god, he did that Slumberland movie too. This oh. guy's kind of cool. I, I like Slumberland. I, I was very weirded out by Slumberland, but I think it was because I fell asleep during it, and so I woke up at a very interesting, strange part, and so like it's, it sort of disturbed me a little bit. But you woke was, up during the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, you know, I would like to see this guy. Uh, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm kind of excited for this. It's interesting. He's got an interest, very very interesting, uh, like filmography. So I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of cool they went back to the well with him. Uh, yeah. And they were like, you know, we're gonna put this back in your hands because, you know, even though the third and fourth ones, first of all, they should have never split that. That always annoys me. <laughs> uh, and I think that creates opportunity for issues. Um, I he's he. I mean, he framed the series, right? Like he, yeah. what we know of the series and what we love of the series, even what we hate of the series is all from him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's cool. They brought him back. And it is interesting because, you know, there was another director that did the first one and then he kind of changed the tide. And I like the first one, but it doesn't really like go into the fantasy elements of it as much as catching fire does. They, they, the first Hunger Games didn't seem to take the risks I was hoping that like that world could take. And then all of a sudden Catching Fire shows up and I'm blown away by like how crazy that one was. And I like that they took a lot more swings. They took a lot more risks with that one. Who did the um, first Hunger Games? Hmm? Gar Gary Ross. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that one was like a very like shaky cam, but gritty realism of the Hunger Games, which was cool. Like I'm not going to say that. He did Pleasantville. He did Ocean's 8. <laughs> Wow, that's an interesting little sea bit. Sea Biscuit, Big. Oh yeah, I do remember he did Sea Biscuit. Yeah, he did Big back in the day. He did Big. This he guy. did Lassie. Wow. He what did the dude. Tale of Despero. Oh jeez, <laughs> that's an interesting one. Um, Pleasantville. God, I love that movie. That's a great movie. I had that's one more take, and I can't remember what it was now. But ah, uh, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> like I was, I'm talking too much about this damn movie without knowing much about it. But <laughs> <laughs> read the book, Sean. Uh, anyway, let's <sighs> let's get into what we've been watching. We need to start with Joaquin Phoenix in Ariaster's uh, Bo is afraid. Um, all right, to set the stage here, I'm not a big Ariaster fan, and I also really do not like Joaquin Phoenix whatsoever. Um, I need to stop you for just one moment and just say that. It is bonkers that you loved this movie. I love that you loved this movie, but this is like after even seeing it, I'm like, this is the 
antithesis of a movie that you would usually like. So that's why I'm, I'm glad you're starting this one because <sighs> I need you to sort of like explain yourself, not to this point that I, I also agree with you, by the way, I agree with your review and everything, but I'm just like stunned because this is the kind of movie that you would normally like kind of dislike heavily. So, well, yeah. it's a chaotic hypnotic fever dream essentially. <laughs> and you know, it's uh, number one, I think Joaquin Phoenix is acting his ass off here. And I think he's very, very good. Um, I it, it's wild. Every scene is wild. Nothing to if you look at it just on the surface makes a lot of sense. But it's one that I thought about for a while, like even leaving the theater, waking up the next day. I was thinking about this movie because it really does play out like an anxiety ridden individual's mind in a lot of ways going to the most catastrophic ends of their thought processes and that's what we end up seeing play out there's definitely a lot of mommy issues in this which uh, seems to be ariaster's go-to and oh, yeah. you know one day can't wait to see uh, read about his like background and biography or whatever uh, he just does not stop killing the shit out of his parents every <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> um but i just thought like it was it never ceased to intrigue me uh, and I think that there's a lot to unpack there and a lot that like as someone who deals with anxiety and has mm -hmm. dealt with depression and stuff can really dive into and, you know, kind of hold a mirror to some of the most uh, unrealistic and insane thought processes that and Sean, like not to call you out or put you on the spot here, but like, you know, like you and I talk about this a lot. There's so many times where when you're in an, an anxious episode, like the world is crumbling around you, oh, yeah. right? And like everything makes sense to you. But then 24 hours when you're looking back on it, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And that makes no sense. Like what I was thinking, blah, 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 blah. And that is what this movie depicts in so many ways. Um, and, and I was just fascinated by it because yes, it's ridiculous. Yes. Like if you string it all together um, and show it to like the, the average movie goer, they're going to be like, <laughs> what? Um, but I, I think it's, it represents a lot more than um, just ridiculousness on the screen. Yeah. And I also enjoy movies that, you know, five people can walk into um, and then walk out of with different, yeah. different takes on it. And I think this is one of those movies. The acting is great all the way around. Um, Nathan Lane, Amy Ryan, like they were just, they were enjoying. Patty Lapone was a fucking beast in this movie. Patty Lapone um, was amazing. I loved her in this movie. Uh, but no, I just, I really, it, it really made me think. Um, and, I, you know, I, when I go to the, a lot of these screenings, it's usually two of my friends, Jeremy and Andrew, we like sit together. Um, and I've gotten to know like, what they like and what they don't like and i knew jeremy was gonna have liked it and he did a lot like we were very similar in what we took from it uh but my friend andrew i knew he hated it <laughs> uh, and he he did uh but yeah. it's but that's what i'm saying like people can take so many different uh, uh there's so many different takeaways that people can walk out of this movie with and i that's what i really enjoy about what esther does um with this um he also i think sticks the landing with this a little bit mm -hmm. too as ridiculous as that landing is um and you know like spoiler job of the nut as they're referring to it on uh online <laughs> i was gonna uh, say the little shop of horrors penis plant but you know that works better um you know like it's ridiculous and you have to think about like what that represents and what that all means and stuff like that um but like for midsummer to me it fell apart a little bit yeah. um and i you know i'm very happy that this didn't and it, it stuck with the crazy tone that it established it sounds bonkers to say this, but this is definitely, without a doubt, Ari Aster's clearest film. 
I agree. That says a lot about the other two because <laughs> like, this is still a very, very confusing wild ride. But there is a simplicity to the, the to it in general. It is he is trying to get home for his mom's funeral. Now, does it go in a million different crazy, insane directions? Yes, but there is that simple premise throughout the three hours, and that works. Now, you know there have been people that have theorized what this is about, where the whole thing is a Truman Show style, uh, you know, operated by the mom. I kind of like reject that, even if that is what he was going for. I don't even want to think about that being the case, even though from what I've read, that is actually quite logical. And oh. I, I had that thought during the movie yeah, too. There's sort of this part that bothers me about that. I like to think that this is like not completely in his head, but enhanced by his head. You yeah. were talking about suffering with anxiety and that's exactly what this is. You know, I'll like go into a room and think that everyone's looking at me and really they're just most like focusing on their own shit. Bo probably lived in a very bad neighborhood. And so he was probably nervous about a guy running after him. Was the guy actually running after him? No. Was there actually a naked uh, birthday stabber? No, but like he, he has those moments enhanced in his mind. And I think that that was like a really great way to depict anxiety because no, we don't like see that person running after us, but we do feel that in those moments we do feel like someone's watching us and so i don't like the idea that um it actually like his his anxieties were actually came true which they might have in this and um but i like the idea especially in that last act of the you know quote unquote trial spoilerish kind of stuff but that is a very like solid introspection of how therapy works it's like mm -hmm. you are like you you consider yourself the villain of your own life mm -hmm. you are woefully insecure you crack yourself open in the worst ways possible i advocate for therapy by the way but it's a very tough road sometimes <laughs> and so i love that move that they had there um yeah i think patty lapone it will be interesting if this could be uh you know uh an oscar run for her it would be I'm like it's going to be mentioned slightly and i think that there's a there's a world where people that hate this movie will still vote for her without even like knowing that she was in it like viewers will give up on this movie but say like hey we owe it to patty the i heard she's good in this that's a gross way to get a nomination but i mean hell she still deserves it um i would love to see a supporting actress nomination from her i think nothing else could really come out of this um but it would be great to see it i will say this right now and you know Obviously, oh everyone's coming out of here with different views on this movie. I understand the people that may not like it, you know, because it's not a straightforward film and that gets tough for some people. I understand the people that absolutely love it. I'm probably one of the people that, you know, on most days will love this movie. But if someone gives me an argument, I'll be like, yeah, fair. Like that part is ridiculous. That part doesn't really connect. Aster needs to start connecting dots in his stories a little bit more clear because it's just a little bit off and it's just a little bit too brilliant. Now, but counterpoint, why? Like I mean, it's it's he's an artist, right? It's, and it's, if, no, if yeah. you don't like his art, don't don't see his art. I really do admire him for knowing that. Like while watching this movie, I'm like, this guy really does not give a shit about the audience or the critics. He truly does not give a shit about them, and I think that is exceptional. But also, I I don't know. There's there's a part of me that does need to get spoon fed just a little bit, just a little bit. And I think that like, you know, just like, I love that it's up to our own interpretations and I've listened to a million podcasts on this and I adore the conversations that these people are having. I am so grateful for this film, but that was the, that's the only part that like sent me a little bit under perfection for this movie is that it's just a little bit too difficult to decipher. But regardless of all that, by the way, regardless of all that, this guy is probably one of the best modern filmmakers of our time. He, the technical supremacy, the shots, the busyness of every shot, the way it's positioned. I'm looking at it, I'm like, this guy is truly at levels that we have rarely seen in movies. So from a technical perspective, you can't deny this guy. If you want to hate this movie for the crazy ass story and 
Jabba the Nut is amazing, by the way. I, d- I did not hear that yet, but Jabba the Nut is amazing. But if you want from like the like from those a- aspects, yeah, sure, it's it's messy. It is a messy movie. There's no way to go around that. But the level of perfection this guy has in his details of direction are unparalleled to like what I've seen like in modern cinema, cinema lately. And I felt that way about Hereditary and Midsummer as well, were movies where it's like they didn't exactly work for me. But bravo to them for being just exceptional works in the terms of their technicals. No, it wasn't bravo. It was A24. Um, the oh. I will. The funny thing about the cityscape and like how that's depicted and everything is that that is like uh, like Fox News Tucker Carlson 8 p.m. formally oh, yeah. um, <laughs> depiction of what you know a city is, and that that's all I kept thinking about. I'm like, this is exactly what like for my parents live outside of Philadelphia, right? They are deathly afraid of the city because there's been a rise in crime in the city like during a pandemic, now post-pandemic, well, post-pandemic, but, you know, after a few years of the pandemic. Um, and it's happened uh, It's happened in a lot of big cities. It's like not only Philadelphia. Doesn't excuse it. Obviously, there's a lot of gun violence or stuff like that. Um, but, like, every time that I'm going to the city for something, my parents are like, oh, my God, you got to be careful. Like, I, I literally hung up on my dad the other day. <laughs> because he like was getting into it when I was talking about going down the cities like taking your life in your hands and blah blah blah. Like they like think that like you're going into a hellscape, and that's not what it is. And like also, spoiler alert, cities have always been fucked. Um, yeah. you know, like <laughs> crime crime rises when there's more people. Hello. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's it's just funny to me. Like that's very much how they depicted <laughs> the city in this. I think, I think one of the best ways that I look at Aster is that he he does not like to be called a horror movie director. He does not like his films to be considered horror movies. Hereditary is a straight horror, and he admits that. Midsummer he felt was a comedy, which I don't I don't really see that totally. This is a like complete comedy. Like there's like with anxious undertones but there is nothing that's like horror or thriller about this at all this is a complete and utter comedy in the darkest of proportions i'm laughing so hard at stuff that is really genuinely fucked up and i <laughs> loved it i loved that i was doing that it's really just fascinating and you know because you don't know what's real in this you don't know what's legitimate like at all like and so at that very moment when you realize that like everything is just so fanciful you're like okay i'm on this ride where i am right now I'm just buckling up and I'm just going to laugh at this goofiness. And I think that that's where you have to approach this. This this movie obviously doesn't pass like my parent test. Like if my parents ever say, hey, we're going to pop in Bo is Afraid. I was like, oh God, please no. <laughs> like, please don't do that. <laughs> so it would be interesting, you know, like it, it's not exactly accessible to its audience. But like you said, this is art. And that sounds pretentious as hell. But that's exactly what this is. This is literally an art project for him. And I really got to give him credit for that. I'm just thinking like the parent test. I can just hear my dad being like, there's a fucking giant penis. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was worried about when, uh, you know, my folks were like, you know, oh, so Moonlight won Best Picture. So we're uh, putting that on. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the people that love La La Land are going to put in Moonlight. This is not going to go well. <laughs> what was your final rating for this? It was a B. I mean, there, 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 there are universes where this is an A for me. There are universes where this is an F for me. This is like one of these fascinating films that I'll, if, if I ever dare to revisit it, I'll be really fascinated to see what my next take would be. But I mean, there's people that have seen this movie. I, I got to give a shout out to uh, next, next Best Picture, that podcast, um, where like, you know, people have seen it like four or five times. Then they went and discussed it for two and a half hours. Their discussion was flawless. I recommend their discussion. It was amazing. 
And um, I think that, yeah, it's like, so like there's, I just could not give it that full A, but I fully understand people that give it that full A. Like, like, like I am assuming as I transition to you, you did. I gave it five out of five. Yeah. Um, which shocked me. I was not expecting <laughs> that whatsoever. It, it floored me before <laughs> I saw it and after I saw it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, this one caught me off guard, but I really enjoyed it. Um, let's talk about Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. This the is the perfect double feature, by the way. <laughs> right. I was afraid Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. <laughs> the, the adaptation of the uh, infamous Judy Bloom book uh, <laughs> that really kind of launched her career, um, even though that you did not give the Judy Bloom documentary an A. We'll talk about her film adaptation here. Um, I loved Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. It is a very... It's charming. It has a lot. It's heartfelt. It has a lot of humor in it um, that elevates the content of the the source material, I should say, elevates the source material to make it relevant to today. I think a lot of that has to do with the filmmaking, but it definitely has to do with the acting. Um, I I'm gonna, I always forget her name um, oh. for uh, the main uh, actress. writer Force for Fortson. Yeah, um, Abby Ryder Fortson. She was phenomenal in this, uh, as was the rest of the young cast. I thought they all played their roles very well. Um, Rachel McAdams was fantastic in this. Uh, I, she's just so charming. Side note, there was a clip where um, uh, she was on Kelly Clarkson's talk show, and Kelly Clarkson was showing how she references all the time wanting to be able to cry beautifully like Rachel McAdams does in movies. <laughs> and, it's, and apparently she says it all the time. They showed like a supercut of her saying it on the show over the years. It's, it was actually really funny. And Rachel McAdams was like, I don't know. I just cry. That is great. Um, she does cry quite beautifully now that I think yeah. about it. <laughs> um, but it's a really, I, I think it's a very accessible movie and definitely a coming of age film that we haven't seen much of in uh, in past years. Uh, so I think that's why it's it can it's going to have legs. It can do pretty well. It's probably going to do really well in streaming, mm -hmm. um, just considering the target audience. Um, but we cannot not talk about Kathy Bates and how fucking phenomenal she was in this movie. <laughs> I love Kathy Bates and will watch anything with her because she nailed, whether it's a serious role, a comedic role, she nails it. And when she is sitting, spoiler, at the dining room table and she just like, holds up the, the glass and is like lime i nearly shit myself because it, it, that was so damn funny <laughs> i i love that she played jewish grandmother without being offensive like i think of marvelous right. marvelous mrs mazel right now where like th those characters have just drifted into offensive territory where like very few of them are jewish and they're like kind of like like shushing it up a little bit too much and that bothers me a lot this is just like no i'm gonna be just be kathy bates but still like identify those Jewish traits, like like where I like am easily the mother of Benny Safdie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, I I adore this movie as well. This was, you know, Bo is Afraid was your surprise. This was my surprise. I really expected to not like this movie. I was very worried. It's like, oh, you're adapting a very famous novel, um, like uh, one that like was considered unadaptable. Why are we doing this? This is a bad idea. And I was just very, very pleasantly surprised. And I should have known because uh, Kelly Freeman Craig is uh, the um, Edge of Seventeen writer-director. Uh -huh. So already this person, like, obviously has a type and uh, knows how to work that type, um, especially, like, discovering a young actress that is exceptional. And that we get that from both Haley Steinfeld and Abby Ryder Fortson. Um, I guess Haley Steinfeld was technically discovered by the Coen brothers, but you know what I mean. Um, I, um, I thought this movie was hysterical. I thought it was heartfelt. I cried several times, which I did not expect to get that out of it. 
I think what's really important, and you know, obviously I don't read, so I didn't read this book, but apparently the book doesn't have like those parent characters have agency. And in this, they are given very, very human elements, especially mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams, who goes through like, you know, they, there's moments where that movie just sits with her for a while. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so impressive, like making these parents human. Um, this entire cast of young kids are just all exceptional, like like very natural the whole way through. And I think that's that's something to speak on the writer director who just lets them play, I think, and kind of lets them discuss their own thing and gives them some freedom. Um, and I think that's such an important thing that nothing felt canned. All of the dialogue felt good. There was no real villains in this. You could argue one of her friends is kind of villainous, but Na- Nancy you know, you, Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, you but you sort of understand her whole deal. You understand why she's like that. You get her vulnerability as well. So there's no real clear villain in this. And the resolution is just so satisfying where, you know, Nancy Wheeler doesn't really like come to some sort of redemption arc, but you could tell that eventually that's on the horizon for her. But, you know, uh, like the, the main character does have that redemption arc. And I thought that was so good. And I just really loved all these people from from like uh, the, the character who plays or the actor who plays Moose was great. He had like five lines, but he was wonderful as this sort of object of affection. He was just so charming, just so natural. Um, this movie just like really did work. It was how you are supposed to make a faith-based movie, which the people that make faith-based movies probably would hate this movie because it questions faith and it like question it makes you question it, which I think is a much healthier way to do it. Yeah, sure. Dennis Quaid landing a plane because God was able to do it is fun and all and everything like that. And like he lands it through the power of prayer. Like, cool. Okay. I'm not going to judge people for liking those kind of movies, but this is the kind of movie where you actually think about this stuff. This is the movie equivalent of um, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, which has become an annoying saying, but is one that's good to question these things. Cause obviously this main character is torn between two faiths and that get that, that, that very uncomfortable conversation comes up quite a bit, but I really loved what she did with that. And the narration, which was clever when you adapted a novel like this, you're going to expect like some like really shitty narration sometimes, but this narration was great where I think it's done through the book this way, but like it's done through her prayers to God, which are casual and are like, you know, she's praying to get boobs and to get her period. It's like the most fascinating thing. And I will say we are two, um, straight, well, I almost said straight men, Jesus. Uh, cisgendered men. Don't and, you like, try to box me in, I'm Sean so Phillips. Sorry. Don't I'm you so dare. Sorry. Neither of us grew up as teenage girls. We have no idea what it's like to grow up as teenage Don't girls. Don't you box me in. No, I'm <laughs> I knew you were going to push me on this one. <laughs> we don't know what it's like to grow up as teenage girls. This movie does sort of like put you exactly in that spot in the best of ways. I was blown away by this movie. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be in my top 10 for half the year. It could stay there for a while, probably. We'll see. We must. We must. Um, so good. <laughs> you're, you know, it's you're talking about the how she's torn between two faiths, and what that also then opens up is the the influence of family and the mm-hmm. sort of where kids find themselves growing up in wanting to be their own person, discover things for themselves, but also the pressures of family. Like, so the, it's just a very layered story, uh, and that goes back to Judy Bloom. Like she. Yeah, 1970 was when this book came out. And that's, we're now talking about it 53 years later as a relevant film, a relevant story. Um, And this takes place in the past as well. So it was just really, really well done all around. They had to get this one right, Lionsgate did, if they wanted to continue adapting Judy Bloom books. I think this would be probably a different story moving forward. Um, Let me 
start over there. I think we're going to see more Judy Bloom adaptations, yeah. especially like for, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, Blubber, uh, Dini, books like that, um, that are covered in the documentary that's on Amazon. That's kind of where I learned about a few of them that I hadn't heard of. Um, but uh, if they if this didn't if this wasn't a good film, I don't think we'd see them continuing on. And yeah. they haven't announced anything, but I'm just assuming that we're going to see I more mean, adaptations. I admire because Judy Bloom, I think, was like kind of not heavily involved in this, but definitely like was given a lot of like uh, approval. Um, where you know because she's never wanted her movie her book to become a movie. Well, like, she was told it hasn't been. She yeah. was told years ago, like be wary of um, adapting your your stuff into TV and film. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I got to give her credit for, you know, allowing it to happen because I didn't have faith in this movie. I was worried about this movie. When I saw that trailer, I was like, I don't know, man, this is a bad idea. Like, and it wasn't. It was really good. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, final grade on this one. This was an A for me. <laughs> this was a five out of five for me. Yeah, I'm on a five out of five tear. It, was, I, it, I, it makes me nervous. a bit of a five out of five tear, but that's it makes okay. Me that happens. It, that happens. It makes me nervous. I haven't been though. Like I've been, I, yeah. like this year I feel like I've been more muted and, um, but there's a few that recently that just, I've had a string of good ones that really. I've had a lot of A's and B's and then, uh, you know, Ghosted gets thrown in there with an F. God, God, we're this. not even talking about fucking <laughs> What a rough movie. <laughs> My God. I, people have commented or sent me messages about the, um, when I did my reaction to it, and it, it does make me laugh. I was like, I, I would have more uh, chemistry with Anade <laughs> Armis, and I'm a gay man, <laughs> or I like men. <laughs> oh, oh, my boy. God. Uh, and the wiggetry of it all. Um, anyway, all right, let's dive into the news, and let's start with talking about uh, Jonathan Majors and getting up to speed on sort of what's going on here. We didn't do an episode covering the news last week, but um, the week prior, what happened, uh, the latest was that he had been dropped from a few projects. One was uh, a starring role in the Man in My Basement movie, uh, and then he also was in a Texas Rangers ad campaign that they dropped him for, or dropped him from. Um, he also was going to be in a uh, Otis Redding biopic, which apparently he's not in the running for anymore. What came out recently this week, uh, the past couple of days, um, is that there, um, uh, let me just make sure that I'm getting this correct. One of the victim or the victim in this case, the alleged victim in all this uh, was granted a full temporary order of protection. Um, this is just... Uh, I know people are quick to defend and, you know, of course everyone gets the benefit of the doubt, but just from my perspective here and looking at sort of how things are playing out, there's something, there seems to be something there. Um, and you know, it's, it's unfortunate, um, that an actor who seemed to have a lot going for him. No, it's not unfortunate. It, it's unfortunate there's, for us. There's a, it's there's a, a sadness to the story. With there's a sadness like that, because yeah. like we enjoyed him and we were not like, Oh, him. he's going to do great <laughs> things. But for him, if he is a, a shithead like this, then like you're getting what you deserve. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know for sure, but um, it, this is just really insane to me. He also still has the same lawyer, which I can't understand because when she dropped those text messages, How do you not fire that person? Immediately? Oh my God. <laughs> um, so uh, it's, Oh, he also was dropped from his, um, uh manager and publicist as well um all not good news like all good not good signs when those are the people who are in your inner circle and likely you would assume have the accurate information or know what's going on i mean 
we have on here um should marvel recast kang and uh the answer is just yes at this point Be, like and i know people would want to say like hey wait for the investigation wait for the trial and all that stuff and i'm like you know what yeah you're innocent until proven guilty but that means you can't that doesn't mean you're protected to be able to play a superhero okay that means like that that's not what that means. That means like you're innocent until proven guilty, so you don't get thrown in jail. Yeah. Like that's how that works. Like you like if and you know I will say this. I think that it would just be smart for them to kind of just like you know it would be smart for them to fire him. And then if this thing turns out to be a grand conspiracy, which it's not, which it's not. But if this turns out to be a grand conspiracy, like some people are saying, then yeah, Disney will pay off some sort of stupid wrongful um, wrongful uh, termination suit if they want to really do that. But I. I think this is an easy call. First of all, this is a character that has many different iterations. Oh, just make him a different person now. I think it's a really, this is one that they could explain away extremely easy. Like, it's not like uh, when Depp got fired and they just said like, oh, he looks a little different. Like, hey, look, it looks like Mads now. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is someone where it's like, oh, he's just a different person now. He's a different iteration in a different universe. It's an easy explain away thing that they could just like, it just makes it, it makes sense in this ridiculous Marvel world that we're in right now. Um, that, we're, that we're in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's upsetting people's reactions to this because you know people say innocent until proven guilty, and that is true for the legal system. Court of public opinion, based on these text messages, uh, it's not good. It's not good, and I don't think you could read those text messages and think anything other than that. Yeah. And so you know that's that's regardless of that. Um, you know the people that think like oh oh other people are speaking up right now. Um, for someone who knows someone that reported like inappropriate behavior before, and I'm going to be extremely vague intentionally, but it's that person goes through an unnatural hell. Like there's nothing benefiting reporting this stuff. So these people that are reporting it late probably never wanted to report this because, you know, women reporting this stuff just get run through a horrific ringer. And so I think that you can't really judge stuff based on that. And that really worries me when people comment like that. Um, thankfully, like with these texts, people are turning their tide and they're like, oh, shit, yeah. this is like this is horrible. This is next level horrible. So there's also I mean, that power differential, right? Like yeah. he's a, a star on the rise and, yeah. you know, has the money and the, the means to to defend himself or to, you know, make things go away, you would think. But uh, more power to the the women that are stepping up here. You mentioned Johnny Depp, and Johnny Depp's name does come up in this a lot um, mm -hmm. in relation to the story, as does Ezra Miller. Um, and so I I just want to give my take on that. Like I, I said this with Johnny Depp from the beginning. One of the issues that Johnny Depp was facing was that a court in um, in London in uh, England uh, found him liable. Yeah. Um, and you know basically there was a court a, a court of law that decided that he was likely that like things likely happened which worked against him and that forced in my opinion forced the hand of studios yeah ezra miller is an, an interesting one because they have been in a lot of hell they have um i'm saying this all wrong today they they acted very poorly unprofessionally and potentially are allegedly um very uh uh I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. They were, they were, they were shitheads. Yeah. Um, yes. There it is. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, and apparently were uh, or allegedly were very. Um, I'm back. <laughs> I just circled back to the issue that I'm having with my words today. Um, uh, the the alleged victims went through hell allegedly mm -hmm. with Ezra Miller. 
the difference for Ezra Miller with this and how it's playing out for me is that Ezra Miller pled guilty to the trespassing. Um, Ezra Miller is get, seemingly getting help, um, whatever help they may need. Um, and there's an ownership there that oftentimes does not uh, taking ownership of actions that oftentimes we don't see with um, with these celebrities. The you know Johnny Depp still has not admitted any that he that he did anything. I'm not saying he did. I'm not saying he didn't. Um, but you know, there's a court that said he did. There's I think they were just two shit people in a relationship. That I think it was just together. a very bad relationship in general. I think all, everyone was wrong in that one, but you know, everyone Absolutely. just says one person's wrong and that's a problem. Um, I almost said Jonathan Kang. Jonathan Majors uh, has not taken any ownership over this and continues to fight it, even though there's text messages and victims out there that are saying a lot of different things. Um, you can even go to Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey yeah. has had how many charges against them, how many issues, and uh, Kevin Spacey still to this day maintains his innocence. Um, and even justifies some of his actions. So I do think, you know, not every case and not every individual instance is going to be the same. Um, there are different pieces with each of them that I think you need to kind of take in a silo. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And also just the factor of people are just like, you know, oh, they want to fire Jonathan Majors, but they didn't fire Ezra Miller. It's like right. they made the movie and then this shit came to light. Yeah, and so it was either like completely destroy like a movie that is worth like I mean let's face it cost millions and millions hundreds of millions of dollars to make, and um they, they 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 it was not possible to do that. I remember we were on the you know good old hindsight we were on the pod being like I don't think they should like release this movie. That's that's not a realistic option, and you know they they've definitely done their uh, due diligence of saying like he's getting help or excuse me they're getting help now and everything, mm-hmm. um but. There's a part of me that thinks Ezra is like completely gone, you know, a few weeks after this movie comes out and they just cut him completely loose and they're doing this to, you know, just say like to save face. But it's a very different situation, um, not just like the the crimes and the actions and the people in general in this, but th- the fact that this movie was already made, like, you know, they may still fire Ezra. <laughs> they may still fire him after this, but like they already made this movie. They couldn't fire him. They couldn't edit him out of it. Like That's a good point. And that's the yeah. same with Johnny Depp in the third um, exactly. Fantastic Beast. They hadn't made that movie yet. And they could exactly. Um, they, James Gunn was asked about Ezra Miller continuing. Oh God. <clears throat> um, when he was speaking with uh, AP Entertainment at the Guardians of the Galaxy volume three uh, premiere. And they just basically asked plans for Ezra in the future uh, in the DCU. And he said, we're just going to have to wait and see, you know, I mean, we'll see how things go. So, you know, Uh, so they're, I think they're just playing it close to the chat, to their chest. And um, I don't know, know. five weeks after this movie comes out, (laughs) the other thing is like, we, I mean, we do this every week and we give our opinions and stuff. And that's kind of our bread and butter when it comes to this podcast. Um, but when it comes to like stories like this, we don't know all the details. And oh, yeah. so we're we're part of that court of public opinion. And I just always I after, you know, I'll, I'm not one to shy away from giving my opinion about this stuff. But then I also take a step back and think, like, we don't know everything. And this is very important. We don't know everything. And that is absolutely true. Neither do the people that think he's compl- that any of these people are completely innocent. They don't know anything either. And so when like those people are saying that where like, you know, I see the internet comments, which are things I shouldn't fucking read ever, but like they're just like, you know, Majors is innocent. This is an entire conspiracy theory. And I'm like, okay, you don't know that either. Like, so yeah, true. We don't know what we know, but like, you don't know it either. So it gets a little bit dicey there, but you're right. Yeah. We don't know everything. We don't, we know only what's been reported on ever. And so that's all we can really go on. 
What's the Hamilton line? And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> Mr. President. Um, let's stick with uh, Marvel a little bit, uh, jumping from Kang, uh, and talk about the the, the position, <laughs> the, the, uh, the role of Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. Um, one of the strongest rumors, uh, I think, since all this started has been circulating for quite a bit now. And um, the, what is it? Above the lines, Jeff Snyder, uh, has reported that um, Adam Driver was offered the role of Reed Richards. This is very interesting to me. I kind of like it, honestly. Oh, yeah. I, I love Adam Driver, obviously, and would like to see what he does with a role like this. It's so funny because, you know, I, I, I really reacted to, the, reacted to the sub off mic to you saying like, oh, this is a checkmate for the film snobs with Adam Driver. Realizing. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that Adam Driver was the best part of a huge series of blockbuster movies in the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy. And he is the best part of that. He is the most stunning performance in that through all three of them. And so it's just like, oh, this guy will give something great in a blockbuster movie. So I'm looking forward to, if he does this, I'm looking forward to seeing it, really. I think that, you know, he's got that nerdish angle that Reed has with, uh, you know, the darkness in there, the conflicted superhero angle there. I, I, if they're going in this direction, I would like to see Driver in that role without a doubt. Yeah, I'm with you. I, um, I texted you this yesterday, but I was thinking about mm. like Sue Storm and stuff, and I've had a number of people that popped into my head over the years, <laughs> over the year. Um, and one of the ones recently that hit me was Leah Sadu, and I yeah. think that would be awesome casting. Well, it's great because that's not like a like cold hard celebrity like yeah. Leah Sadu. I mean, yeah, she's been a few of the Bond movies, so that would make sense. But um, like, so she is popular. She is known, but it would be a very interesting choice. It would be a great choice. Um, at this point, I just, I, I'm pleading with everybody, please, for the love of God, cast this fucking movie. I'm so sick of this goddamn, like, I can't take any more rumors. I can't take any more of this stuff. I think it's cast already. People. I think I, it's cast already. If it is, then they're doing a good job of like, you know, as you said before, like playing it close to the vest, but damn. Um, yeah, uh, okay, let's jump into uh, another sequel that is in the works, and I am very conflicted about this one. Yeah, um, there is a dodgeball sequel that is uh, actually in the works, and Vince Vaughn will be returning to star in it. Uh, it is directed by uh, completely just lost my spot here. <laughs> um, well, it's being let's say it's being written by Jordan Vandina from The Binge, uh, which I don't know much about. Oh. Uh, is that I, got a is it that weird Hulu movie where I like that like so. it was like a purge but for alcohol? Uh, oh yeah. Uh. Um, <laughs> there is. I also forgot Alan Tudyk was in the first movie. Yeah. Um, but there is no talk on um, if Rawson Marshall Thurber, who wrote and directed the first film, is going to be attached to this or is going to direct or anything. Um, Thurber's the one that is doing like all these wild movies with uh, The Rock and you know all that stuff. Um, he's definitely had a good career going for him. Um, and then also, we don't know if anyone from the original yeah. is going to be returning. So there's still a lot of questions. I would anticipate that a lot of them will come back in some capacity. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, these long-awaited sequels never work. Um, you know, hey, I'd, I'd love to eat my words. I'd love to eat crow. I'd love to see a fun uh, comedy movie that people pack into the theaters to see because that's being rare these days. But these just don't work. I mean, you think about it, Zoolander 2, Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, like uh, when you have, or Anchorman 2, when you have that long gap in between, yeah. 
they just they're just never they're never even come close to measuring up to the original and they just won't really work that well and so i just think that's what this is going to be i hate to immediately dismiss it but i see something like that and it's like i love the first dodgeball i i will be happy to say see if this is good but i just don't see it unfortunately i wish i could I think comedy has a hard time with sequels because Very you're trying true. to recapture the same magic. You know, thinking about some of the other sequels that we've gotten after a long time, like Bad Boys 3 is an example of one mm-hmm. that was really good in my opinion. Yeah, that worked. It, it worked, right? Um, Gladiator 2, which we're going to talk about in a second, is coming down the road. And that's, you know... The better work. <laughs> yeah, there, but there's a lot of... I think... I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's easier to do a sequel to a drama like that. But I think you're not trying to recapture the same comedy and the other thing is comedy evolves right so what was funny back in 2001 or whenever uh this was released is not going to be funny today like if you listen to anything about the office um or read any interviews they talk about how like yeah that was sort of like a a moment in time and you could never make that again today because society has evolved and all that so i I think it's harder for them to recapture that same momentum it's kind of like taking a comedy like think about like the comedic chops of dodgeball and replacing it with like the comedy of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or something, you know, like the, yeah. they're not interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. And th- this is, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember this was in the aughts, I believe. So this is now 20 years probably until this will even be shown. And I, I think that, you know, yeah, people like us may like our, our age group may get excited about this kind of, but <laughs> like then half of us won't really care too much about it. Cause we're like, we've moved on to other comedy. It would be like if it made super bad too, or wedding crashers too, or something. It's like, these were like pockets of amazing classic comedy at the time, but yeah, I, I, I I'm not going to get excited for that. I'm going to get excited for something new. It just doesn't really work. I, um, uh, you know what comedy did work when they did a sequel? Which one? Borat. Well, yeah. And I think, hmm, what's the difference between that then? Right. Um, I was just, th- that just hit me. And I'm like, hmm. I think it's because it was, it's just him essentially. And like, that format still works. Yeah. Like you assume that these characters in Dodgeball probably aren't still at average Joe's gym. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe they are, maybe they are, but like, I, I don't know. You, yeah, there's, I think that, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think Borat it's is just hard. something that like you can hold up a mirror to the culture every 10, 20 years that's and true. You get the same kind of crazy shit that happens. Yeah, well, it's and it's him reacting to the cultural changes yeah. too. So, huh? Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. We're so smart. We're so smart. God. <laughs> um, let's dive into Gladiator Two. Uh, this is really coming together here. Um, mm-hmm. Connie Nielsen is returning. Uh, she will be playing. Um, oh my gosh, what's the name? It's not Lucilla or something. I think it's Lucilla. Yeah. Is it Lucilla? Yeah. I can't remember the name. Quite. I'm just looking at the article. But um, she was the main love interest to Maximus in the first film, and she's the mother to Lucius. Lucius, who is being played by what's his name? Pascal. Nailing it here. Uh, I always want to call him Pedro Pascal. Um, <laughs> Paul Mescal. Um, the other internet daddy, the other Pedro Pascal and Paul Mescal. <laughs> oh, Paul Mescal and Carmen is so fine, dude. That's good. I saw that trailer, and first of all, the score is Nicholas Bertel, which fuck yeah, dude. It's not great. Oh, it's not good. Oh, it's not good. Oh, you saw it? I don't know. You saw it? I, I you saw it at I saw it at Spring uh, Philly Spring Fest two weeks ago. Oh, no. It's it's fine. The, the performances are wonderful. Uh, Melissa okay. Barrera is fantastic. Oh, Pascal, fantastic. Yeah, she's the lead. Fantastic. Um, and really interesting story. There's a line in that movie. Um, I, this is it's not a spoiler, but part of it has to do with like she's coming from Mexico. She crosses the border, and there's a line in this movie that has stuck with me. Um, they 
there's like a volunteer uh, guard essentially in, I think it's Texas that is like patrolling the border. Um, and that plays into a little bit of what happens in the movie um, or kind of what instigates the, um, the rest of the movie. But the one guy says, can anyone speak Spanish? And, um, Oh God, I'm going to forget. <laughs> this isn't, maybe this isn't exactly what he says, but the one guy goes, why I don't speak deer. And what he was basically saying, like he was equating what he's doing on the border to hunting. Jesus. And I like that line just hit me so hard because I was like, oh my God, the inhumane focus of that. Oh, it was, it was such an interesting line to me. Um, well, that's, that's a diversion. Be, wow. Yeah, that was a big diversion. All right. Skip the bubble bottom. All right, we're back. <laughs> Um, anyway, so uh, Connie Nielsen is returning, and Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things has been <laughs> cast to play Emperor Caracalla. Caracalla. Um, I like how I just repeated the same thing. Caracalla. Caracalla. Oh, you mean Caracalla? Oh, Caracalla. Um, oh, um, and Barry Keoghan's in this, as well as Denzel Washington. Um, so this is wild to me. Um, what a freaking wild sequel this is turning out to be. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Honestly, mm. I, I really want to see where they take the story. Uh, it, was I reading recently that um, Russell Crowe was like, I wish I could come back, but it's kind of done. <laughs> like, well, I mean, there, there, I always say it in every episode, but there was that version of the Gladiator 2 yes. script, which was Maximus in Hell. Oh, which... you mean episode two of Never Coming Soon, the podcast? Which is Get the fuck. Is that, is that really going to be them? That's no. awesome. That's awesome. I'm so excited to hear that now. Did I not tell you the list of the... I um, know that your first one's going to be Superman Returns. Here's the list. Breaking news. Here's the list. <laughs> um, oh, it's episode three. I changed it up. Um uh, Superman Lives, Dune, uh, Gladiator 2, Silver Surfer, the 1979 Silver Surfer, um, Jurassic Park 4, which was also called Jurassic Park Extinction, uh, Bioshock movie, which is now oh, yeah. becoming a, a series, um, Batman Year One, uh, and then um, I'm just debating where to go with this one. It's either the Unmade Born, uh, Born Identity 4 movie, Born 4, um, with Matt Damon, but the one that was supposed to happen after the trilogy, but then they pivoted to Jeremy Renner yep. and then went back to Matt Damon <laughs> later. <to> Matt Damon. <laughs> um, or uh, the Halo movie that was in developmental hell forever. Oh, um, and then I, there's a couple. I that's like season one, if you will, and then I have season two being mapped out right now. So I'm excited. So <laughs> back to Gladiator 2. <laughs> this, this bit of news has been the ultimate diversion throughout the entire time. So, you know. I'm ready for it, but um, I mean, I want to say. What did you just say? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, what what was that phrase? This I'm bit of news has hard. been the ultimate diversion. <laughs> I'm crashing hard, dude. I didn't. That didn't make any sense. As I was saying it, I was like, I'm not actually making sense. Like, there's not there's not a coherent sentence structure there. So my my apologies to those listening. Um, going back to Joseph Quinn's casting. First of all, I thought Barry Barry Kogan was going to be the loser twerpy emperor, um, but now it's going to be Joseph Quinn, which I I love that idea as well. Um, I will say, like, I love Joseph Quinn's character in Stranger Things. Obviously, everyone did, but he was denied of his natural, beautiful, booming accent. That guy's got the like. When I heard him in an interview the first time, I was like, oh, oh, oh my goodness, sir. He's got a beautiful accent. So he's probably going to be bringing that accent into this movie. And so I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, this guy's definitely an emperor. He is just really intense. I'm into it. Yeah, that's um, the cast is great. I'm really excited to see what's happening here. Uh, I will say I really wish, you know, I like that Connie Nielsen's coming back. So there's like some sort of connection. Um, I mean, I'm sure Jaimon's phone is on, dude. Jaimon Hounsau, get him in there again. 
I, I bet they're taking the story in a different direction, but you know, I don't think he died. He could come back. Like his character is probably like that's that's yeah, very like, old. <laughs> that his character wouldn't really work with the direction they're going. I guess they're going more towards royalty and emperors and such, and he was still just a best friend of another gladiator. God, I would like to see him back in that role though. <laughs> he pops up in everything. He does pop up in everything. That man really works hard. Um, all right, let's get into rants and raves. Uh, listen, <laughs> you talked about the the Fantastic Forecasting. Yep. I'm really fucking tired of this James Bond conversation. Yep. There was an article recently, I think Screen Rant had it, and it was like, who's out of the running to play James Bond? And then I guess like Barbara Broccoli, um, which is who's my, that's my favorite name for a producer. But Barbara Broccoli, who is like the shepherd of the uh, James Bond franchise, 007 franchise, um, has recently... Um, recently said like oh they're not even close to casting yes you are let's stop playing this fucking game you can't tell me you're sitting on this entire franchise like this don't know who's going to play them because you need to commit to get them to commit to multiple films right you you know who you want you know where you're going you probably already have the person just announce this bullshit stop stringing us along with this how when was the last uh, quantum and Solace was what 2001 or 2002 um... Well, there was uh, it wasn't quantum. quantum Solace. Uh, what was it? Um, no time to die. No time to die. Yeah, that was in 2001. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what. So I think it was the difference between the two. Die another day was like 2002, 2003, and Casino Royale was 2006. So I'm trying to think of like how long it was from Die Another Day to when they announced Daniel Craig, and if it's the same amount of time. Let's see. Daniel Craig announced as James Bond. I looked this up before. Uh, 2005, October of 2005. So about three years then, probably since Die Another Day. So, um, but well, yeah, but here's the difference, Sean. You have MGM, which is now owned by Amazon, Amazon, and they want to pump this shit out. And you know, like you also, we're also in a very IP heavy atmosphere when it comes to movies and tv projects and all this and look amazon's already rebooting every other property but, possible but joe but joe they need room for citadel people hate citadel huh <laughs> i haven't seen it yet and like from the hatred i'm so damn excited to watch it well and i'm so nervous because richard madden's my pick to uh not only go I to bed with me american at night american in it why is he american but That's he's also silly. my pick for bond yeah, well, that, I don't think it's happening now. <laughs> I think they have them for down for eight seasons of Citadel. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait, side, complete side note, but speaking of Amazon and series, um, a friend of mine w- recently started watching um, Amazon, started re- watching uh, Lord of the Rings on Amazon and was like, the show is incoherent. <laughs> I don't know why people hate Lord of the Rings. It's a weird one for me. I, like, I loved that show. Everybody hates it. I don't know what's going on there. I really did like it a lot. It's strange. It's strange to me. I don't know. Like, people have their opinions. Okay, fine. But the vehement hate for that one just seems a little odd. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I, but look, let's just cast this. Let's get, get this over with. I'm so fucking tired of this. Even before uh, Daniel Craig was done, we were theorizing about who was going to play him next because mm-hmm. Craig wanted to be done for like five the, years. The, the guy, it's amazing that he even did No Time to Die because he, he like literally, I think, verbatim, uh, not verbatim, but the gist of it was he'd rather kill himself than play Bond again. And then he played Bond again. Uh, and then, and, you know. And had him killed off. And had him killed off completely. I yeah I mean it, it is weird that between that time of like you know coming out of Spectra they didn't like start to have a list then knowing that this was definitely without a doubt his last one but maybe they did and maybe they're just being cheeky who knows yeah 
I don't know. Ugh, I'm, I'm frustrated by all this casting bullshit. I'm pissed off. About. Oh God, I can't take it anymore. So, also, are you are you gonna watch before you get into yours? Are you gonna watch Peter Pan and Wendy today? Maybe. Um, it depends on how my rotation of my apps works. But... Oh Jesus! No, we're not getting into those again. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm right now on the Criterion Channel and I'm watching uh, four four hundred ninety nine, which is a conquistador that comes to modern day Mexico and realizes the consequences of his colonialism. It's pretty What's good. Your rant? What's your yeah. rant? Because I'm, oh, I'm about to have a new one. I'm about to have a new one. My rant is uh, basically like this happened last year around this time. And it's because Emmy nominations or the Emmy season is closing in May, um, which is the classic, first of all, very annoying because like that's not how television years work anymore. But for some reason, they still do it this way. Okay, whatever. It's going to be tough to change. I can't I can't fight them on that. But there are so many and it started in March, but it's gotten so much worse. There are so many, so many shows out right now. And the problem with this is not only that it's a little bit stressful for me to try to watch everything, especially like the stuff that's going to get nominated for Emmys, but also this is like them trying to say, hey, you know, this this show will now get nominated for a bunch of Emmys. This didn't work last year when they did this, when they pushed a million shows. You know, what's going to be the movie that or what's going to be the show that wins for best comedy right now? Right now, it's going to be The Bear. It won't mm-hmm. be Barry. And so I think that like, you know, I'm granted <laughs> – won't be Barry. <laughs> it won't be Barry. It will be the bear, the Barry. Um, I, and it could be Barry, by the way. I'm going to see how things shape up. But the bear came out <laughs> almost a year ago, and like that's like, the Emmys don't work like the Oscars. With the Oscars, you know, yeah, stuff that comes out in October, November, that's like premiere time. Even though that also that culture is changing a little bit as well, because you know everything overall wants just one Best Picture coming out in April of uh, that year. But I just think that like the Emmys have always been a little bit better at this, which they they usually recognize talent throughout the year, and they're a little bit better. They don't like they they usually do that, and now it's just there's this onslaught of a million different television shows all at once. That first of all, yeah, stress you out. Some of the stuff gets buried because they cancel each other out, and none of this stuff ends up getting nominated. And so that like it's just a bad idea in general. It's not just annoying that all this stuff is coming out all at once, but it's just not conducive. And yes, maybe I shouldn't watch as many shows as I do, and maybe I shouldn't spend my morning watching a 2020 movie on the Criterion Channel about uh, Cortez visiting modern day Mexico and seeing the consequences of colonialism. Yeah, sure, that's wrong, but I have a fucking system, and the system works. How do we always get back to the system? How is this always because because you don't you don't appreciate the system? No, I really don't. The system is flawless. No, the system is Bo is afraid. Like it is like it's insane. There you go. So you agree with it? You give it five stars. But boom, I I want to see I want to see your head around the system play out like Bo is afraid. That's actually that that would be I I I've actually now they're just to deviate for a moment. I want to see a a version of Bo is afraid, but the actual stuff that's happening. And it's just yeah. like him walking down the street. Right. It's fine. Freaking out. Like, like maybe a little bit crazy and stuff, but like it's like not terrible and stuff. <laughs> like I just want to oh see that version. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Um. I. I, I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> I don't even know where to go. No, I'm with you. I think that like the what's in, interesting with the film and television industries is that they they are not quick to change, um, and they're quick to say like, oh, we're like less people are watching this whatever you know streaming or whatever it may be less people are going to the theaters well why don't you change this up no 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 no. we're not going to do that because this is how it's been done um and so when you're that resistant to evolution um you're you're going to run into problems 
I will say it will be so much worse though if they ever change the ME eligibility to just a year situation where it goes from uh, January to January, then it would be a million movies coming out at once, a million shows coming out at once. And like all of that would be in December. You would just see me just like absolutely explode. absorb into myself. <laughs> no, you would just explode. <laughs> Easily explode. Oh my God. Uh, let's talk about what's coming out this week. Uh, not much. <laughs> Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Love Again hit theaters. Um, we will talk about Guardians next week. I assume that's your Thursday movie. That is definitely without a doubt my Thursday movie. There are a lot of movies out though that I'm like trying to figure out how to like parcel out and which ones to watch. But it's like it's a bunch of indie stuff. Like you know, I I will recommend right now. This is my mini mini rave. How to blow up a pipeline. Awesome movie. What awesome movie. I want to go to the movies today because it's like still rainy here and shit. I mean, uh, I, I think that movie's going to be on uh, Hulu in like a couple of days, most likely. <laughs> yeah, but you know. Oh, way better to see it in theaters, yeah. I don't focus if I'm, like... I have realized this recently, that if you give me, like, when we get screeners and emails and stuff, I will put it off a million times because I just don't want to... I don't know. I, like, I just have a problem watching at home, um, which is kind of interesting. I'm saying, look, Return of the Jedi... Um, uh, <laughs> they did a screener for that? No, no, no. I'm, I'm the looking point at, of it is to see I'm the looking theaters. at the theater. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I thought you got an e- email screener for Return of um, the Jedi. <laughs> I think I'm going to see Evil Dead Rise today. I think. I'm oh God damn it! You know, uh, so I, I found out you, you don't have to see the remake Evil Dead or like any of the Evil Deads to enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. So I wish I saw that earlier. Um, now I feel like I'm one. Like I, I know you're like this too, where it's weird. It's like if it passes its first weekend, you kind of just forget about it. Then absolutely, I I'm so bad at that. I need to watch it because I, I bet I would love Evil Dead Rise. Um, damn it. I'm going to try. I heard it's messed up. Yeah, I'm going to try to figure out how to get that one into my weekly schedule. But I mean, somewhere in Queens is playing as well. And that's one that I really want to see. And uh, uh, then I still want to see The Covenant, even though I don't think it's going to be good. But, you know, I um, I just recently saw someone that we both follow who put that as their um, number two movie of the year so far. Yeah, that's why I saw I saw your review and their review. And I was like, oh, yeah that's that's something (laughs) it is it is something um it looks like it's playing where is regal it's playing at regal oaks how to blow up a pipeline i don't know where that is how far would i be driving here i like the idea that that's not an actual theater and that's just the feds trying to trap people (laughs) to see (laughs) (laughs) it's an empty warehouse and they're like you're under arrest (laughs) oh my god oh my god (laughs) Let me see here. It would take me 33 minutes to get there. That's not terrible. That's not bad. Maybe I'll go there. Oh, it's above King of Prussia. Oh, there you go. Maybe that will be the move today if I get out of my house. <laughs> um, anyway, all right, Sean, uh, you have a full day of watching stuff. We are recording on Saturday. Um, you have a full day of watching stuff today, so I'm very happy for you. I look forward to all the updates of what the math teacher watched today. Um, before what the math teacher and his wife watch tonight. Yes. Um, <laughs> I've, I've abandoned that hashtag recently, but yes, um, you know. We're... What's recently? Like today? A couple of days. Well, no, that, the, 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 the one with the wife. Yeah, I still oh. do mine, but. Because <laughs> she falls asleep during them, doesn't she? <laughs> she? She's in bed by like seven now. <laughs> um, all right, Sean, we will talk next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>
The Guy at the Movies podcast is a joint venture between Math Teacher Movies and Guy at the Movies. You can catch new episodes weekly right here wherever you're listening to this one. Subscribe so you never miss a beat.